I've got a mad idea and I hope that you're going to jump on board with me and come along for the ride. My name is Kat and I've been horse mad my entire life and I want to do something that is going to help lots of people experience horses while also benefiting the industry as a whole. Sound interesting? Join me for the Equoc Chat podcast where I share inspiring stories from the horse world and use them to open doors. I meet so many people who tell me that they feel like they don't belong around horses despite loving them. They feel like things in the horse world aren't for people like them, whatever that means. And I used to feel the same. I still do sometimes. And I know my friends do too. We look at ourselves sometimes when we're out and about at shows and we're like, why are we just allowed to do this now without supervision? And you know what? There's dozens of us like that, more than we have ever realised. Equoc Chat is the podcast about just that. It's about dropping down the ladder and helping as many people up as possible. I want to give people a platform to tell inspiring stories about their lives working within the equine industry, about the real people who live and breathe that world, who feel the fear and do it anyway. Something that I've always believed in is that anyone who has a genuine passion for something, whatever that may be, deserves a seat at the table. The way our world works is that often if we don't look or sound a certain way though, we feel like we don't belong. That sense of being othered is one that we have all experienced at some point or another. And at the end of the day, we're all human and have insecurities and hang-ups that only we ourselves can see. And sometimes those can get in the way of us being able to be our full selves or enjoy things because for whatever reason, we think that someone like me doesn't belong somewhere like this. I spoke to a younger recently who is involved in an equine assisted youth support service that I was doing some work at and she said something that stayed with me. So I'm an equine sports massage therapist and I work with horses and ponies of all different shapes and sizes that do different jobs and this summer I was invited along to Edinburgh Equilearn to talk to their young people about what it is that I do and in particular how I communicate with the horses that I'm treating. They use their horses to teach their young people practical skills and help them grow in confidence. I absolutely love the work that they do and it's such a wonderful and inspiring environment be a part of. I'd done a session with them in the morning where I looked at one of their ponies called Duchess and amongst other things I'd explained to them how to know if a horse is lame or not and how to work out which leg is the problem and also potentially which body part might be causing it. The girls in the group that I was speaking to were all quite straight-faced and not really giving much away. The youngest was only about 11 or 12 and the others were all slightly older. I would ask the group questions and not really get much back in return but that was okay. I knew how they felt. I hated talking to people and in particular strangers when I was their age too. A little while later after the demo I was doing my routine treatments on the centre's ponies and one of the girls in the groups who had said literally nothing to me all morning just started chatting to me and we spoke to each other about things like about why she enjoyed riding and the things that she found hard with her riding and she told me some of the things that she hoped to experience with horses but then she said I never thought that I would get to do anything like this at all because people like me can't afford to. At the end of the day I was chatting to Jamie who is the founder of Edinburgh Equilearn and Jamie told me how amazed she was that all of the girls spoke to me at all because when they first started at Edinburgh Equilearn none of them spoke. They were all too shy or they were too anxious but that morning they had all helped me do stretches with their favourite ponies, they had helped them for their treatments, they'd asked me sensible questions about what it is that I do and she told me that the youngest of the group had walked out of the gates that day and told her mum word for word how to tell if a horse is lame or not and how to know if it's her front or their back legs and that's absolutely a credit to all of the amazing work that Jamie and the others at Edinburgh Equilearn have been doing. I already knew that I wanted to build a business that could support more young people to ride and benefit from being around horses and at the time that I did that session at Equilearn I had already set the wheels firmly in motion but that day cemented something in me and I knew that I had to make this work. (music) 
Equine Qualifications UK is going to be, and maybe by the time that you're listening to this, is a social enterprise marketing company that provides a directory of equestrian qualifications throughout the UK. It's going to do the hard work for you if you want to work or study within the equine industry, because instead of having to work out what's legit and what's not, it's going to tell you. So how does it work, you might ask? Well, universities and colleges spend tens of millions of pounds on marketing every single year, and Equoc is going to reinvest some of those profits into providing horse riding opportunities to those who otherwise couldn't access them, and support those who maybe already do work with horses, access further qualifications or study opportunities. The equine industry in the UK is worth around £3 billion pounds to the economy each year. Universities, colleges and education providers need to advertise and carry out what's called student recruitment activities to attract applicants to their courses. Having now worked in higher education admissions for several years, this is the stuff that I talk about day in, day out. To fill places on a course, you need to attract more applicants than you have places available because they're not all going to come for lots of different reasons. It's the job of the marketing departments to attract the applicants that are the most likely to become students to actually apply in the first place. And that's harder than you would think and we get it wrong quite a lot. But if you understand the industry, that you're recruiting to and the market that you're recruiting from you're more than halfway there because then you don't need a crystal ball you just need to know how to manipulate the data and crunch the numbers equine qualifications uk will generate its profits by doing the data work and the number crunching for courses across the country because it both understands student recruitment and the equine industry it will then reinvest the profits it makes into widening access to the sport at a grassroots level. Equag will operate using the profit generating model of social enterprise. Social enterprise isn't of itself not a business structure in the legal sense, it's more of a concept. Community interest companies are probably the best known legal structure of social enterprises. A kick means that a company's assets are locked into the social aim of the business. A kick has to make money, it's not like a charity, and while yes you can get funding to run them and to start them, it has to be a business which can make money in its own right. In very basic terms, Equoc will use the money that it raises to fund access opportunities to equestrian sport. For example, Equoc could fund a local youth group to go riding every week at their local riding school. The profits could be used to pay for their lessons and transport for a group of young people to spend time with horses who otherwise not be able to. Young people, like the young girl that I mentioned earlier, maybe think, people like me don't get to do this. I used to think that I wanted to have my own little yard and ride in school to provide an access opportunity and maybe one day I will but the reality of the situation is that I'm a millennial in this economy working three different jobs I have two horses of my own to look after and I realized that having a mechanism to generate profit to do this is a much more efficient way to do it and I am all about efficiency if you work on a yard you're taught to never cross your tracks or return empty-handed if there's something that you can bring with you and that's a mentality that has definitely stayed with me you never make two trips if you're a groom throughout the pandemic riding skills took a massive hit over 250 have closed down since 2019 and many have struggled to stay afloat during that time. Riding skills are the backbone of our sport. Without them, the sport will not survive because otherwise there's no way in. I will always be a massive champion of riding skills. They're a business that's incredibly difficult to run and make profitable. They're thankless places to work a lot of the time. It's exhausting, it's frustrating, and it's all-consuming. I say this as someone who has worked at one in some capacity for probably over a decade now. All of this is true, but also some of my happiest memories come from my time of being a helper and working at a riding school. I have the absolute fondest memories of growing up there. You get to meet some incredible people. 
On a Sunday morning, I would take out a ride with one of my regular clients. He was the most wonderfully flamboyant urology nurse who would tell me incredible stories about when he lived in London, when he went riding at Hyde Park Stables, his favourite horse, it was called Byron, <laughs> and dating ballet dancers. I got to play pony club games with JK Rowling and her son. I remember teaching a teenager who literally screamed, I can't do it, at me, only for her to turn around and not even two minutes later do the thing that she wholeheartedly believed wasn't possible. I spent my summer holidays in the sun and the rain with my friends looking after the horses and we were just part of this huge team. The horses were as much your colleagues as the humans were. You knew the ones that you could rely on to look after people and the ones who might let you down. You knew that if one of them had a look in their eye and swished their tail in a certain way that they were probably going to choose violence that day. You would breathe a sigh of relief when you had old reliable in your class because... At least then you had a horse that could be your lead file without it trying to run to the back of the ride. You learned to read minds, both of your horses and the clients. You had to be patient and kind, but also incredibly firm. I found myself using the line, tell me three reasons why you're crying when I had a kid that was a bit scared of something. Usually by the time that they were thinking of reason two, they would have stopped. Because they realised that they were scared of the unknown potential for danger rather than the thing itself. Most of them did actually want to canter and jump. They just hadn't experienced it yet and the thought of it was scary sometimes the parents would be in the gallery anxiously watching and they'd be making it a hundred times worse more often than not it was the parents that I'd want to put on the naughty step rather than the kids or the ponies I was still at high school when I taught my first lesson and I remember the little girl that I was teaching was the daughter of my stand-in geography teacher that we had at the time I was such a shy teenager I literally barely spoke for the first few years of high school and by the time that I was in fourth and fifth year I was finally learning to come out of my shell project my voice and actually have faith in what I was saying because I could tell the kids how to do something and it would work. Teaching was something that was giving me confidence and a belief in myself that I just didn't really expect to happen. You never stop learning and you never stop growing and growing up at a riding school allowed me to step into myself in ways that otherwise I don't think I would have been able to because it's all about finding the right environment for you to grow within and for whatever reason I just didn't like being anywhere else. I only liked being at the stables. I think that every pony mad kid should be at a riding school at some point in their life. You can learn so much about yourself, develop essential skills for the workplace, build resilience and make friends for life. In a lot of ways, being at a riding school felt like being part of a great big dysfunctional family. The girls that I grew up alongside could frustrate the life out of me, but we were all, for the most part, loyal to each other. We were all in it for the same reason, for the love of our favourite ponies. And I honestly think that the passion that you see from the kids at a riding school outstrips a lot of what you see later on when you grow up in the sport. And I believe in harnessing that passion in some way. I'm digressing, but my point is that we need to be able to support our local riding schools. By funding groups to go riding who would otherwise not be able to, Equat could be expanding the client base of local riding schools, providing consistent and reliable income for existing businesses. So you can see, Equat is a bigger vision than just about getting people riding. It's about supporting the businesses that already exist that are essential to the longevity and survivability of the industry as a whole. The cynics amongst you are probably thinking this is some naive pie-in-the-sky nonsense that will never, ever work. And to you I say, I can definitely see why you think that. <laughs> it's ambitious it's insanely ambitious I'm not an idiot and I can see that but I also believe in everything that I'm saying to my absolute core 
I have skin in the game because I care about all of this so much and I truly believe in the transformative power of the horse. I believe that our sport and industry needs to modernise to survive and thrive and without something different coming along, it never will. The industry is one that is very traditional and conservative. People within it are often scared of change and that's okay, it's natural to feel that way but the thing is that actually this isn't about change at all. This is about finding a way to expand and maintain the status quo in a way that supports development because expansion and development are essential to ensuring that the foundations remain stable and without stable foundations the status quo can't survive. I'll tell you the story of how I came up with this idea one day but I think that deserves an episode all of its own. What I will say is that I have thought that the industry needs this for quite a long time and I just didn't have the language or the knowledge to articulate what exactly it needed or how it would work so instead I'll just tell you a story about the moment that I realized how difficult it would be for me to find a job within the industry that I would actually enjoy and find rewarding so if you imagine I went to like one of your standard British high schools that was built in the 50s and 60s it was brutalist falling apart depressing to look at you can just imagine it our careers advisor was also depressing and also falling apart I was absolutely horse mad and I helped out at my local riding school every weekend for free rides but my world was quite small because that yard was all I really knew. I knew that I wanted to work with horses but I just didn't know doing what so I asked the careers advisor like what horse jobs are there and she just sort of shrugged at me and was like maybe you could be a vet but I didn't really like science and I didn't think that I could get the grades and she didn't really know what to do with me. I went back to ask her more questions later on and I just found her sat in the library with the lights off and the doors locked shoving biscuit after biscuit into her face. Bear in mind that the school library walls were made entirely of glass so literally everyone could just see this manic episode that she was having. I didn't go back and I didn't ask her for advice after that because I just didn't think that getting advice from that woman was a good idea because she really didn't seem that stable but in hindsight it's no surprise that she didn't know about all of the opportunities that exist because even when you're horsey you don't always know what's on offer. I didn't know until very recently for example that you could be an equine behaviorist or an equine massage therapist or an equine pilates instructor because yes equine pilates is apparently a thing and that's also the point of equine chat i want to show you what exists within the horse world and all of its bizarre and complex wonder For me, it's really important that Equac is a social enterprise. The horse world is one that is steeped in privilege and elitism. It costs a lot of money to do this sport. A friend of mine once said that having horses is like taking a million pounds, putting it in a field and setting it on fire. So why would anyone want to be part of this absolute madness? Because it is literally the most rewarding thing in the world. These are the most rewarding creatures that you will ever come into contact with. I have never met a horse that hasn't been a mirror. They show you the best and the worst parts of yourself. They make you a better person. They make you stronger, braver, and more in touch with your emotions. They make you feel things and you have no idea why. And it's pure magic when you watch that take place in the eyes of someone who didn't expect it to happen to them. The calm that watches over their face when a horse breathes on their skin. I've seen it happen enough times to know just how important that is. Horses have the power to change and to save lives. When I've been struggling with my own mental health, horses have got me out of bed in the thin wind and rain. But it's not just practical, it's emotional. I've seen kids that are mute learn to speak because of the time that they've spent around these animals. I've heard heard stories about addicts turn their life around because they've done times 
at an equine facilitated rehab. Again, that's a thing. They're the most wonderful creatures in the world and I will never downplay the profound impact that they can have on you if you let them. I love riding and I love competing, but I will never be one of those people for whom that's what it's all about. And I'm not knocking anyone listening who is. We all have a role to play in the community and I'll come on to that in a minute. I used to think that I wanted to be a professional rider or an instructor or a groom because those were the only roles that I knew existed. And over time, I realized I actually didn't want any of those things at all because yes, I love horses. I love looking after them. But for me, it's always been so much bigger than that. I've always had the drive to be the best that I can be. And yeah, I like to win because who doesn't? But victory, the victory high is so short lived and you're just always craving another. But impact can last a lifetime. I have never been someone who has cared about comparing myself to other people. The walls of my childhood bedroom are covered in rosettes that I won with my first horse before she was even mine. They make me proud when I look at them and they're great memories, but they're kind of hollow to me now because for me, the sport, the game, the world, it's always been about so much more than how good you are compared to someone else. It's about the power of another living creature that can't speak to literally unlock who you are as a person. It's about that partnership, that teamwork, that unspoken understanding. We need top riders at the highest level of the sport talking about that. I love reading the likes of Pippa Funnel's social media posts because at her core, she just adores those animals. She describes them as her best friends with such a love and fondness that you can't help but be inspired. She demonstrates the high level of respect that she has for these creatures, something that we should all have for one another and all animals of course, but it's so important to have prominent role models within the sport saying these things and writing books for kids saying the same. I'd wish I'd been young enough to enjoy Tilly's ponytails because I know that I would have loved them but I think I'm a bit old now. The reason that I wanted to make Equoc Chat is also to provide a platform to articulate all of these things and to reach as many people as possible because this isn't a podcast about horses and riding, it's a podcast about people, lives, personalities and real true stories. When I was growing up, I was lucky that my Nana was very horsey. She bought me a hobby horse that I named Bella when we were on holiday and I ran around on it every waking hour because I didn't have my own pony. She used to say that she would buy me one if she could and eventually she kind of did. It's just a shame that she wasn't ever around to actually meet her. She used to pay for my riding lessons, so did my mum, and I would ride twice a month. I remember those hours in the saddle were just my absolute favourite. I felt like It was like being complete in some way. I could never get enough of it and it was like an addiction. I read every single book that I could get my hands on and there was one that was in the school library about a girl who wanted to be the first woman to win the Grand National and I think I was the only one that ever took it out at school. The way that it described the feeling of her racing along through the mud and the rain and the feeling of the sweat-soaked rain slipping through her fingers and the chestnut mane washing over her hands, I just couldn't get enough of it. Years and years later, I was living that. Not the Grand National, but I was out of Enter. I have a chestnut mare named Bella. I didn't even call her that. She came with that name. It was our first BE100 and self-preservation has never been one of Bella's top five skills. We were thundering towards fence eight, which was this rather large tiger trap. And it was sort of tucked behind a tree. And I remember... I was riding quite forward and she was going really forward that day. Um, I was probably not being the most effective rider in the world because I was just wanting to get round and I think I was being a bit too positive and she was going a bit too fast. And I remember as we came thundering towards it, we were about half a stride off and I knew that we were half a stride off. And I remember I put my leg on and she just launched it, taking that half a stride straight out of there and the reins whipped through my hands and... 
I was just left holding onto the buckle, leaning all the way back. I felt like my hat silk could get flicked off by her tail. And in that moment, I think three things went through my mind. Thank goodness that I've got a good lower leg position. I need some new reins that actually have grip. And this is exactly like the book that I read when I was eight years old. And now here I am. I mean, I probably didn't think all of that in the moment, but looking back, that's definitely what was going through my mind. Because the water jump was next. I probably didn't have time to think all of that, but you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing and it can happen. You know, you can end up in the place that you dreamed that you would be. It'll just probably not look exactly like you imagined it would. It'll be better and it'll be more aligned to you in your life. I wasn't sat on top of some big chestnut thoroughbred called Murphy galloping around a racetrack. I was sat on this little quirky opinionated chestnut mare with the personality of a chocolate Labrador and I couldn't love her more, even if it is literally the blind leading the blind with us. I got to where I am today because I worked and I worked and I worked. I used to, you know, help out at the riding school and I'd help out in the adult beginners classes and I got rewarded with free rides and I worked every Saturday. Saturday and Sunday when I was in fifth and sixth year of school throughout my hires and throughout university I put in the hours and I did the graphs and I got my head down and I just worked I learned a lot along the way but probably not as much as I could have if I had felt as empowered as I do now because even with all of that work I still felt like people like me don't succeed here. They, I didn't grow up with a pony. I didn't go into pony club. So I'm always going to be a little bit behind them. And what's the point in trying? Which is utterly ridiculous. But that was my mindset that I had. So what changed? And I guess the answer to that question is just time allowed me to develop a better perspective on things. I was able to meet people who were kind enough to teach me how to do things, treat me like an adult and give me responsibility. And it was only through getting that responsibility that I sort of started to believe in myself and in developing that self-confidence allowed me to kind of then want to open my own doors and find my own way in the world and, and find things out. And if it hadn't been for those people who had helped me initially, I wouldn't have been able to do all of the things that I've gone on to do. And so a big part of what I hope Equoc will do is be a means to open doors for others if they aren't lucky enough to bump into someone that is going to give them an opportunity. It's about providing opportunities to as many people as possible. I think that's quite enough of just hearing my voice. So now I'm going to introduce you to Georgia Scott, who is a wonderful young lady that I met when I was still teaching at the writing school. Um, Georgia is a graphic design student and so when I was trying to develop all of the branded sort of material for Equoc, I knew that there was only one person that I could ask to help me. Georgia when I was teaching her was always so game her response to anything when I was like what do you want to do she was like I want to jump bigger and go faster and I was like excellent that sounds like fun so I knew that when I asked her to do something like this that was ambitious and probably a little bit mad I also knew that she would be like absolutely Kat that sounds like a great idea I will introduce you now to Georgia because we had a wonderful conversation where we spoke about why she cares about this as much as I do and also how she came up with all of the great ideas that she did for all of the great branding that you'll see on the Equine Qualifications UK social media. Georgia, thank you so much for coming on and for doing all of the amazing work that you've done, doing basically all of the graphic design for me. Um. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with the ideas that you used for your final designs? 
So the first thing I did was I did a lot of research because that's how I was taught in college to do it. So I did my own research on brands and logos for horses on equine brands. Then I used uh, the brands that you gave me. So a lot of the British brands and that used the same colors and they all had some form of like horse in them. So I got a sketchbook out and started doodling and looking up symbols for each of the words in EQUK. So equine and qualifications were the two I was looking for. And it came up with a rosette and a horse, obviously. So I kind of combined, I did three um, options, which was the rosette, one with the brand name EQUK on the horse as the face mark and then I wanted to do a little homage to you and Bella so I made one that kind of resembled Bella's face marking and you picked you liked all three of them so you wanted one that combined everything with them so that's kind of how it all happened I didn't realize you built Bella into that that's adorable I love that even more now. <laughs> <laughs> um what is it that you enjoy about doing graphic design the most do you think um I think the main reason I do graphic design is that I like making things with a purpose something that has like a meaning behind it you've got artworks that have meaning behind it but I think making a logo for something has a bigger meaning to me in a way because mm-hmm. it's it's out there you can see your design on everything uh, that's made for it and I just really enjoy making things like that and what sort of projects in the future would you hope that you would get to do work on I love making logos, so definitely more logos. And I love making things with words and type. So I think anything with type is my strong point. So I really would like to do more with that. Um, and what do you think, how did you find like combining like your love of horses with your love of graphic design? Like, was that something that was quite easy or was that quite a challenge? I think it was quite a challenge because everything looked quite the same. Yeah. But um so finding something that looked quite different which is what we kind of created yeah. I don't think there's anything that has like a horse with a face marking with a rosette in it so yeah. I think it was really fun I really enjoyed doing it yeah that was that was what I loved most about like what you came up with was because it was really different because like when we did like kind of start looking at like all of the different things going on everything was quite like quite traditional yeah. and I think with doing something like this it's about treading the sort of the fine line between having like a really sort of like professional brand that is going to be like well known and also having something that's sort of like quite fun and a bit quirky yeah because I think with what like this is trying to do is it obviously has to appeal to like a quite a young audience because really a lot of the engagement that I'm going to have is with teenagers which is also why I wanted to bring you on board because I was like I need the youth on side (laughs) to design something for me (laughs) because even though mentally I'm 22 I'm no longer 22 so I don't know what's cool and I never actually knew what was cool so that was why I needed you (laughs) um so I guess moving on we obviously met because I was teaching you at the stables yeah um what is it that you enjoy most about horse riding just like having that connection with with them because you know I like I love jumping so imagining to clear something that's like looks scary to other people like Mm -hmm. with something that's like twice your height your weight yeah got a mind of your own doesn't speak your language it it feels great I love the adrenaline with it as well so (laughs) yeah yeah that was always your answer what do you want to do George jump bigger yeah (laughs) go faster it's like is this high okay for you yeah it's fine (laughs) can you put it up three holes please yeah (laughs) 
Um, have you ever experienced any barriers to your engagement with the sport that you can think of? I think definitely money is a big one mm-hmm. and access to riding schools because mm-hmm. it took us a while to find one that actually kind of accommodated everything. Yeah. Because I went to a few others and they weren't great. Like yeah. They were great great for other people but not for me and then I filmed Tower Farm and they kind of welcomed me and I felt like I had a kind of a home there. Yeah I think that is one of the great things about Tower is you do kind of you very quickly feel like you're part of the yeah. family and it pulls you in and what I really like about Tower as well this is something I mean maybe there's not maybe there's a lot of riding schools like this but the fact is on a bus route like yeah that when when I was younger having a yard that I could like get the bus to or walk to from school like that was so helpful because otherwise like you were relying on your parents like taking you places so get having somewhere that you can actually physically access is really important it's ugly to talk about money sometimes but it's it's the reality of what the sport is that we're trying like that we do is it's very very expensive um, and obviously anything that can kind of support people financially to get involved is probably the easiest way to overcome barriers of engagement of the sport because it's all it's it's always money like it was it was money for me too like whenever you think about trying to being able to ride like not being able to afford it is like literally the first thing that you end up thinking of how much influence do you think like social media has over young people who are interested in horses and riding I think a lot you see a lot of like fancy horses around and people kind of think oh, I want to do that I want it to be like that and it's not really the reality yeah which is my personal opinion yeah but I think a lot of other YouTube like a lot of YouTube channels such as like if, can I name brands like yeah you can <laughs> Elphic Fent Ponies I really like and I think it's quite encouraging to see because yeah. she puts a lot of things quite raw out yeah definitely she's also an inventor so she kind of <laughs> produces videos that have a lot of um, realities in them and it's quite cool to follow along and she does talk a little bit about money as well so I think that's kind of a a big point yeah definitely and I think as well like she has event horses that aren't kind of traditional event horses because I think when you think of event horses you often think of like big flashy warm bloods that have big movements but she does it all on like on on quirky little ponies like (laughs) like we bear that she has I loved Bear. I wanted a pony like Bear. <laughs> just crazy. Just honestly. But could jump for the, like the moon. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Love a pony like that. Yeah. Um, as a young person on social media, do you think like that it can put people off or do you think it can encourage people? Because I think when you see social media, sometimes it, it can do a bit of both because it can kind of like open doors in the sense that you're like, oh, that person is like me, so I can go and do that thing. But equally, you can see people that are nothing like you doing the thing and you're like, I don't belong there. I would agree with that because I think a lot of people kind of try and look for a sort of like an encouragement on social media. But sometimes I've even done this, like seeing younger people ride and mm-hmm. they're jumping warm bloods bigger and better than probably you could is kind of a bit dis- disheartening mm-hmm. but then you see older people try and ride and seeing how much fun they have it kind of brings you back yeah 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 I, I get what you're saying because it is like it can be frustrating when you see people that are kind of like younger than you are that have had opportunities that you've, maybe you've not had yeah yeah and it can be really you have to be really sort of careful and check yourself that you're like I'm not being better this but I kind of use this as like a source of inspiration to be like I can do that thing too and it's just about recognizing like about 
it's about the opportunities that some people have had versus maybe ones that you've not had so it's about kind of finding finding your way into something that maybe you thought you couldn't access definitely I guess so the final thing that I will be asking everyone at the end of their interview coming on to chat on the podcast I don't know what to call this um how have horses changed your life? I think if I said changed everything, it kind of it's just the generic answer. But I think definitely got me through high school because that was a tough time, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it just made it gave me something to look forward to each week mm-hmm. and to keep going. And mm-hmm. even if it went a bit sideways in the lesson, or I didn't get to see a favorite horse, or somebody stole my favorite horse, um, <laughs> that definitely happened. Um, it just That's kind of such a riding school thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ride this horse, sorry, already booked. Someone's got it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's almost like a form of escapism from mm-hmm. like the real world because nothing else mattered but what you were doing with the horse. Yeah, for like that hour that hour of your day. Yeah. Like literally the only thing that mattered was like what was going on like within those four walls. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, do you think like it's kind of helped you like personally like in terms of like your confidence or anything like that would you say that they've had an impact definitely yeah I think it's boosted my confidence I can kind of I feel like I can speak more and step up to do things now because like I at the start of my riding journey I would never offer to be at the front of the ride and do demonstrations or be Mm -hmm. used for them but Mm -hmm. now I'd be like yeah I'll do it I'll go the front of the ride and control it I'll do this first and yeah I'll ride the crazy horse and yeah no one wants to it's like Georgia I've actually got this horse today and I want you to ride it because I don't know who (laughs) else to put on it can you do it (laughs) I think that's I think that is like the magic thing about horses is it's not just about although although that hour that you spend with them is really really important it's about like the impact of like their energy that you kind of then carry into like literally every other aspect of your life because you're like you you kind of walk away from that lesson you're like I did a really cool thing today that really scared me maybe like I can do other really cool things that really scare me yeah I agree with that yeah I think that is like the magic thing and that's what one thing that I'm kind of wanting to like share in in getting people to come on to this podcast and like tell all of their stories is I have a feeling that is going to be like the theme that kind of keeps coming out is people that are like oh I didn't really believe in myself or I didn't think that I could do this thing but then I spent some time with horses and I learned to ride and all of a sudden I was able to do these other really cool things like in my life I I definitely get a few comments saying how do you do that is that easy like I can do that because it's scary and it is scary but it is also about knowing your own abilities and limits yeah and limits knowing your limits is very important (laughs) I don't know if I have that (laughs) knowing your limits is important but also knowing when to push them is equally important yeah definitely definitely yeah I think you just got to trust your gut on that one um is there anything else that you wanted to add or to chat about before we finish up today just to say thanks for giving me this opportunity honestly oh, no thank you I literally couldn't have done it without you you should have seen the mess that I was in before I brought you on board <laughs> no it, I, it was a great experience um I get to ride another horse out of it as well <laughs> oh yeah because after this George is gonna come and ride Bella so we're gonna see how that goes <laughs> maybe there'll be a part two <laughs> oh, no. where we report on how Bella behaves for Georgia just another crazy horse or just another crazy chestnut mare we'll see how that goes yeah no it's it was it's a great experience and oh if I can put it on my portfolio now and say I've done sort of like a bigger job now yeah, instead definitely. of just 
having college portfolios that kind of fell apart but <laughs> I loved your portfolio like see when you showed me that I thought it was all so cool some of them just fell through but this one to, to the untrained eye I would never have known that you didn't have to tell me that um no seriously though thank you so much for everything that you did like literally I couldn't have done this without you and the reason that I wanted to bring you on board was because I knew that you would get the vision that I was trying to do and I knew that you would be really keen to take part and I knew that you'd be passionate about it and you were all of those things and you did an amazing job and you actually did something that I didn't realize which was build Bella into it which is even <laughs> which is to show you it <laughs> which is even more clever than I realized so thank you so much for everything Georgia thanks for letting me come on and speak about <laughs> this journey <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the Equoc Chat podcast. I just want to say a massive thank you to Dave at Bespoken Media, who has given me lots of support getting started with podcasting. He literally made me an idiot-proof guide and introduced me to Alutu, which is the platform that I'm currently using to produce the podcast on as I'm a one-man band doing all of the production myself, as well as doing all of the other admin for Equoc. If you could download the episode, that would mean the world as that helps with ratings and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you are listening on. I have some really exciting things planned if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to get involved with equoc or you have feedback i would love to hear from you please email me at hello at equoc.org in the description you can find social handles we're on instagram threads and facebook stay connected stay in touch and i'll see you next time